0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need
1: Indeed. We're handing out the Player of the Week Award and talking advanced stats on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at RotoViz. Curtis could not join me tonight as I record this during the Monday night football game, which is shaping up to be an exciting game right now. So hopefully you wake up uh, Tuesday morning, you're listening to this, you got to watch a good Monday night football game. You've got a couple more W's under your belt on the season, and you are gearing up for the fantasy playoffs Curtis and I have a couple of topics that we have to talk about uh, when he returns. Of course, tomorrow uh, for the Wednesday episode, we will be reviewing the GLSP projections for the week, but at some point he and I really need to break down Justin Fields. What I think is the most interesting question right now is if you're in a redraft league next year, which quarterbacks are you taking ahead of, of Justin Fields. He's coming off another game in which he put up ridiculous rushing production, rushed for 147 yards, two rushing touchdowns, also added two passing touchdowns and 167 yards. I'm inclined to say that there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to be very interested in taking Fields In the top six, if this continues, he's probably going to be maybe even a top four, top three type of option. We'll have to pop into the road of his screener, try to get a sense of if this is something that is in any way sustainable as we carry into next season. It's going to be hard to find anything, though, even like. I don't think that we're going to see fields putting up 150 rushing yards and multiple touchdowns through the ground each week. But I'm going to really have to go back and dig and look at guys like Lamar, like Mike Vick when he was playing and RG3's best year, Um, you know, Cam Newton seasons, uh, Colin Kaepernick seasons. Just start digging around to see what type of best case scenario you could have for fields and then how much of that down case scenario you could have if he comes back to earth. Uh, We'll have to evaluate just how good the passing has been. We know how good the rushing has been. There's a lot of work there, but really what I wanted to get right now, and I think it's interesting to kind of think through in your mind, is really which quarterbacks would you be more inclined to select than Fields next year? Now, at this point, Fields has gained a ton of ground. If you look at weeks one through weeks five, right, and you look in the Monday review, super simple, quick way to look for players. You have to look pretty far down in the quarterback rankings for weeks one through five to find Justin Fields. And we know that a major reason for this was the team was just not passing. He comes in at quarterback 24 when you run that. If you now look weeks one through 10, You see Justin Fields catapulting himself all the way up to quarterback three, which means from week six to week 10, we see Justin Fields outscoring the field by a very wide margin Uh, to put things in perspective. Justin Fields is at 150 points in that range. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and he both played five games. Lawrence comes in around 88. Geno Smith at 84. Even Mahomes, with four games in that stretch, who's been pretty darn good, only gets to 112. So even with another solid game from Mahomes, he still is not going to catch field. So what a turnaround that has been. And then in conjunction, we've seen that. In conjunction with that, we've seen a huge turnaround for Cole Komet, who now on the season sits at. Uh, let me look at just tight end tiers. remove wide receivers from my sample. Cole Komet has now climbed up and he is uh borderline tight end one. And then, well, if we do the same exercise and we look week six to 10, you're going to see Cole Komet <laughs> actually kind of funny here. Cole Komet, Jawan Johnson sandwiched in between Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Uh, but as a point of reference here, Cole Komet five games, 62 points, Zach Ertz five games, 50 points. Huge turnaround, really exciting stuff to see, especially for two guys we talked a lot about in the offseason. Anyway, though, I can't give Justin Fields, Player of the Week honors this week. And actually, let me hit the sound effect. And that's because C.D. Lamb came out and had an absolutely awesome game against a very tough Packers secondary uh, defense that, which uh, from a fantasy perspective, in many of the different ways you can dice things up, create a very tough matchup for most receivers. Nonetheless, CD Lamb comes out, gets 15 targets, converts 73%, that's 11 receptions, puts up 150 receiving yards. Two receiving touchdowns, had 148 air yards, an air yard share of 43.9, a target share of 35%, puts up 38 points. And I wanted to talk about this because it's exciting. CD Lamb has been a player, and I honestly don't remember if Curtis and I talked about this on air or if we talked about this before we started recording one night. But a concern that we had and a fear that we had for CD Lamb was that he's a very good receiver, should be a very good fantasy receiver, but perhaps he was not going to be able to get over that wide receiver two hump. And he was always going to be finishing as a wide receiver two, albeit a pretty solid wide receiver two. Games like this certainly help on the season now. We see CD lamb making his way into wide receiver one territory. And if you look at some of the numbers for lamb, they're pretty impressive target share of 32%. That's normally what we need to see. That's that range for a lot of these players that become wide receiver ones has five touchdowns on the year. Uh, He is catching more than 60% of his passes. A lot of good things going on for CD Lamb right now. From an overall target perspective, he's in the top six, has only played nine games. You have a couple players in there like Tyreek Hill that have played 10 games. But just a really awesome performance from CD Lamb. At the end of the year, we'll have to come back and see if we'd really kind of jumped the gun on CD there, especially as some of what might have informed that conversation we had were games with Cooper Rush. And if you remember, In the beginning of the season, it was not looking like things were really clicking for the Cowboys, not really clicking for CD. And there was this question of, is it it even possible that Lamb is better off with Cooper Rush there? I think that has been addressed. Uh, That is a no. uh, But does CD make that jump? That's another really interesting question right now. Does he make the jump where he stays putting up weeks like this, stays in that high-level wide receiver one conversation unfortunately if we give out the player of the week we also have to give out the snoozer of the week and in the interest of full disclosure since i'm recording this by myself i'm not i do not have headphones in and i'm hoping that you are hearing me right now annoyingly talk over a a snoring sound effect i think i got the right one but this week snoozer of the week i am going to give George Kittle who puts up just uh, let me get on to week 10 here in week 10 for San Francisco George Kittle scores a measly three fantasy points just two targets one reception 21 yards this was a game where it felt like you should be able to see George Kittle at least get more targets put together a little bit more, uh, but it just did not happen. And this comes after, a, you know, a decent stretch of games. So, you know, not what like you, not what you like to see, but I think one of the things this speaks to is how tight ends. It's just very hard to get consistent production from tight ends. Uh, even guys like Kittle, and the real reason I bring this up is to just kind of talk about how incredible Travis Kelsey has been this year. Uh, You know, Mark Andrews was looking really good, suffering some setbacks now with injury, but Travis Kelsey just really a major separator this year. You have Darren Waller practically unavailable, I think unavailable entirely since week four which has just been a major, major disappointment. If we focus just on Kittle and right now he is the tight end seven. Uh, he has been a, or was a wide receiver one every week between week five and week eight. But even in one of those weeks, you were only getting 9.7 points. Um, A guy like Gerald Everett, and I know I'm getting a little bit off topic here, uh, but it's just kind of interesting, right? He's the tight end in PPR per game. Or he's the 11 in PPR per game. You know, hasn't really been much worse than somebody that's ranked at seven. And then if you look at somebody like Travis Kelsey, however, uh, things really jump off the page in the player stat explorer that we have up on the site. He's ranking one in nearly every category. That matters. Uh, His worst week came in week two where he put up 10 points every other week. He has been a tight end one, has gone over 15 points in every week other than that one that I mentioned uh, against the Chargers. It's going to be really fun to look at the end of the season in best ball leagues at the advantage that he gave those teams that had him because the separation between him and the rest of these tight ends this year really has been pretty vast when you think of the full body of work that you're getting. Um, Just to give a quick comparison here to Mark Andrews, who's the tight end too. He did have uh, two very down weeks, just three and a half points against Buffalo in week four. um, A rough game against Cleveland, where I think he had to leave early with an injury and then 6.3 points against Tampa Bay. The other games really had been pretty darn solid though. um, Went over 20 points four times. Um, but I, I guess this really just highlights um, how good Kelsey and you could say Andrews have been when you compare them to some of the other tight ends. So George Kittle drawing the snoozer of the week award here, not where you want to be. Um, but honestly, this week I actually had a little bit of trouble um, picking the snoozer of the week options before I made my final decision. Normally you have a bit more, uh, but perhaps it's just because I did not uh, experience the pain of some of these players this week. Although Jerry Judy, a lot of pain, but that doesn't get in the running as he left the game due to injury. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't able to really get things going, had to deal with an injury. We saw a couple of guys have to leave early this week, so we will not take those into account for the award. But let's get to... Talking about some advanced stats. Now, on the show this year, uh, we haven't really gotten into many advanced stats. We've been preoccupied with the projections, with the passing game matchups, trying to get everybody for the coming weeks. Uh, now, the caveat here is that the advanced stats explorer on the site cannot be updated until Tuesdays when we receive the charting data. So I don't have week 10 data here. But I did want to run through some highlights here as we always enjoy looking at these on the site. If I look at quarterbacks with a minimum of 100 passing attempts at this point in the year, the player that has thrown the highest percentage of catchable passes is Geno Smith. He is followed by Tua and Jalen Hurts and then Jimmy Garoppolo. Pretty neat to see Geno Smith having this major resurgence Likewise, if you look in on target percentage, he comes in at number two behind who of all people, Daniel Jones. Of course, there's a caveat here, which is Daniel Jones averaged depth the target is just six, whereas Geno Smith, it has a 7.1. Jalen Hurts, who's high up there, has a 6.8 as well. Uh, Hurts is at a 74% on target percentage. Uh, But just really want to highlight Gino Smith here, who we've been talking about. A lot of really fun, amazing things for him this year. If you look in the advanced stats, there's some different things that you can pick up there as well. Uh, The other really crazy thing, uh, if you look at attempts per touchdown, Geno Smith at just 19 is up there with guys like Joe Burrow. Uh, You have Josh Allen at 16, Lamar Jackson at 16, Patrick Mahomes at 16, Really impressive though. Tua at 14. That is 14 attempts to every passing touchdown that Miami Dolphins offense has really turned things around this year. Been very, very efficient. A lot of good numbers for Tua this year as well. We'll have to see what the conversation settles in on him at the end of the year, but fun to see a player come out, address some of the criticism he was receiving before the year And that team's become really fun. going to be very interesting to watch the AFC East play out throughout the remainder of the season, see how that playoff picture shapes up. But
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: I think it is more interesting if we take a look at some of the running back metrics. Now, one of the things that we talk often about is how broken tackle percentage is a pretty darn useful stat for looking at running backs. Um, missed tackle percentage can be pretty nice to look at as well. We put that together into what we call an evasion percentage, something a lot of sites do. They might use slightly different terms, but these are good things to look at. Uh, if you look at broken tackle percentage, the league leader through the first nine weeks of the season was Aaron Jones with a 24.3% broken tackle percentage. He is followed by Josh Jacobs at 21 Fun stuff here. The next player is Justin Fields at seventeen point six. He is slating in with these running backs behind him. We have Michael Carter, Tony Pollard, Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, and Brees Hall. Josh Allen, another quarterback that gets up on this list. He's at twelve point nine percent. Justin Fields is at seventeen point six, trailing behind Jacobs at twenty one and Aaron Jones at twenty four point three. Very good stuff. Uh, there for Jones and Jacobs. Then, if you look at missed tackle percentage, you do have Josh Jake. Uh, sorry, Lamar Jackson at twenty one percent. Yeah, guy is just amazing. But you have Josh Jacobs here at fourteen percent. So he's he has been doing good things from many many different perspectives. I do think that's contributing to his five point four yards per attempt. He's also averaging three point five yards. After contact per attempt, which is up there with some of the best players in the league. Leading right now is Tony Pollard at five, followed by Nick Chubb, who has notoriously been very good at creating yards after contact. Uh, but back to the broken tackle percentage, other players that are, or excuse me, missed tackle percentage, other players towards the top. We have Dalvin Cook. You do see Josh Allen Jalen Hurts, uh, Rashad Penny, Tony Pollard, at Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb we put these together, Josh Jacobs at a 35% for evasion percentage, followed by Aaron Jones, and then Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, other notable running backs, Tony Pollard, Michael Carter, Travis Etienne, and Kenneth Walker, which is exciting, right? Because it speaks to ETN and Walker being able to produce outside of just the situation in which they find themselves. Um, You know, that definitely influences some of these numbers to a degree, but it is helpful when you see these young backs producing well in these metrics. Um, Other pieces of information here that uh, you might be interested in, I sometimes like to look at first down percentage just to see which backs on a team are picking up first downs. Um, Let me just stratify this here. So we're just looking at running back. Um, First down percentage leader, Cordero Patterson uh, with a 32%, followed by Josh Jacobs with 31%, James Conner and Aaron Jones. So one thing I want to do right now is pivot over and just look at Aaron Jones and Josh Jacobs in the NFL Player Stat Explorer and just consider how they're doing a little bit more. Aaron Jones coming in right now. At RB13, in terms of fantasy points um, over expectation per game, he is ranked 17, ranks 19 in expected points per game. The interesting thing, though, about Jones is he's really just had three weeks which were kind of outliers compared to the rest of the season. Uh, Those three weeks, he was an RB1, had a 32-point game in Week 2, 29-point game in Week 7, 20-point game in Week 8 but has had a number of games uh, at 10 or less. So it's been kind of an odd season for Aaron Jones. Um, As a player that is starting to get a little bit long in the tooth, I think as we enter next season, we might have him become a little bit overpriced. Uh, That's obviously something we'll have to come back to, but Josh Jacobs, man, right now, the RB6 in terms of PPR... Number 11 in expected points per game. Number nine in fantasy points over expectation per game. Similar to Jones, though, has had a lot of it's interesting when you break down the game log has had a lot of down weeks, didn't really pop until he put up 35 points against Denver in week four, Followed that up with a 30 spot against Kansas City, had a bye week, then puts up 37 points against Houston. Uh, has been an RB one 38% of the time had another good game yesterday. Uh, let me get you those actual numbers. So we can just kind of wrap up here on Josh Jacobs and, and Jacobs and Jones both had good games. So yeah, Jacobs had 22.6 points. Jones had 23.6. So there might be some more analysis analysis we could do there. Uh, but I do want to make sure that I have time to fit in talking about some of these wide receivers. We can see if any of these young, exciting wide receivers pop. And the first place that we'll start here in looking at wide receivers is we will head to uh, routes per game just to give a sense of the players that are, you know, running the most routes is that's something that a lot of people like to look at Definitely has its uses. Jamar Chase was the leader. Um, Obviously, he's missing some time, which is unfortunate, followed by Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson, Justin Jefferson, Mike William, Gabriel Davis, Jahan Dotson, though. That's where I wanted to come to in his four games was at... um, 38 routes per game so it's exciting to see him there uh it's too bad that his season has been derailed to a large degree due to him dealing with injuries as there's a lot of good things that we could pick out that Dotson has done in his first year in the league Uh, a couple other things that we can look at here which are um you know things I like to look at you can look at there's just a lot of stuff in the advanced stats Explorer for wide receivers. Uh, we look at yards after catch per reception and I'm going to look at wide receivers that have had more than 50 targets this year. Um, so yards after catch per reception Debo at 9.3 followed by Juju Smith Schuster at 7.3 Jerry Judy at 7.2, um, AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, Brandon Ayuk, Jamar Chase, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, a lot of usual suspects. Then we get to Garrett Wilson at 5.1. One of the reasons I like to look at this is if you look at this year over year, the players that are leading in yards after catch per reception tend to be a lot of those guys that are very attractive fantasy wide receivers. And very often, very good wide receivers as well. So just to give a little more of the picture here, if we look at 2021 and we look at yards after catch per reception, Debo Samuel, uh, Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cobb, Tyler Boyd. These are some of the players we see towards the top there. C.D. Lamb in 2020. Um. Oh, Yeah. I actually do not have this for 2020 at the current moment. Um, but good to see Garrett Wilson get in there. Now, I imagine as the season plays out, this won't be so chock full of absolute studs. But good to see Garrett Wilson get into that range. Um, another thing that I like to look at is routes per touchdown. A.J. Brown crushing it in that regard, followed by Diggs. Lazard, Adams, Waddle, Cup, Chase, Amari Cooper, Christian Kirk, Amon Ross, St. Brown. I won't read through more of the names, but what my main takeaway here is, as I read through these, in a lot of the different things I like to look at, the players at the top this year are all very chalky players. There's this very strong cohort of very good wide receivers that we see doing most of the fantasy damage. And I think this plays into a lot of the things that we like about wide receivers at the site. And it's good when we have this solid group of wide receivers that you can rely on that are easier to identify perhaps than who the top players at other positions are uh, going to be. So we can break down why this is important a little bit more next season. Um, But I wanted to keep tonight short. So we'll close up here with wide receivers looking at broken tackle percentage. No surprise here. Debo Samuel we see towards the top of the list. Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Adams. A couple of interesting guys here, though. Chase Claypool, Devonta Smith, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Michael Pittman. Josh Palmer gets in there. Uh, but Debo's up at 25, McLaurin's at 16, Brown is at 14. Smith Schuster is at 13.6. Then we start to tail off. But cool to see some of these younger players. Again, we see Garrett Wilson finding his way in there. Nice to see Drake London in there. If you look at missed tackle percentage, uh, no surprise, Debo Samuel leads the way. But uh fun to see Curtis Samuel, AJ Brown, and then again we see Garrett Wilson with a missed tackle percentage of 14. Uh, As I look down the list, we see Drake London does come into the top 20 down a bit. When you put things all together, no surprise here, Debo Samuel with a ridiculous evasion percentage of 50%, followed by A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, and then Garrett Wilson at number four. Uh, And there's a little bit more digging you could do here, some positive things for Garrett Wilson. But Wilson got off to a strong start. We're seeing a lot of positive things bear out in his advanced stats. And it's just another reason to believe that he's going to be an important wide receiver moving forward in fantasy. Probably is worth noting that there was a big stretch of lackluster games for Wilson between weeks three and week seven. In that stretch, unfortunately, he averaged just 6.4 points per game. Nonetheless, though, through some of these rookie struggles, does sit at wide receiver 35 in PPR per game, has been very inefficient from a fantasy points over expectation per game perspective. I think this is important because if you saw a correction in year two, knowing that he's 12th in targets, that he's 20 in EP per game, and there's signals there that he's a good wide receiver, looks like a good candidate to outplay where he's going to get drafted next year. So real quickly here, uh, I just want to share those same numbers for tight ends. I'm going to drop down to a minimum of 30 targets here. Uh, We will start off by looking at, what did we look at last time? Yards after catch per reception. Dallas Goddard leading the way with 8.7, followed by TJ Hawkinson at 8.3. Then you got Njoku at 6.4, Gerald Everett at 6.2, Noah Fan at 6. Uh, Tyler Higby and George Kittle at 5.9. From a broken tackle percentage, Gerald Everett leading the way at 21.9, followed by Travis Kelsey at 14. Then Hawkinson, Higby, and Njoku in the 11s coming down to around nine for Njoku. Missed tackle percentage, Travis Kelsey leads the way followed by Gerald Everett, Irv Smith, Dallas Goddard, George Kittle. And then when you put this all together, Gerald Everett leading the way with an evasion percentage of 31 followed by Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, Tyler Higby, Evan Engram, Tyler Conklin, Dallas Goddard's I'm getting ready for things tonight. I didn't really have any major takeaways uh, from looking through the advanced stats here for tight end that I felt like uh, throwing out there yet or exploring or exploring more. Um, The one high level thing I will say is Dallas Goddard. A lot of other strong things you can find for him though. Very strong catch percentage um, has been doing pretty solid, Um, as I scroll across here, um, in the evasion percentage that we looked at, um, so yeah, good season for Goddard, not a surprise with the way things have been clicking for Philadelphia, but we will come back, explore these in some more detail as we start to transition into next season, which I know it probably feels crazy to be talking about right now, but really before we know it. We're all we going to be getting there, which is why it is very important to get into that strength of schedule streaming app right now. Start planning ahead, seeing what you might need to address on your roster and get ready to uh, position yourself well for the playoffs. Curtis will be back tomorrow. We will start looking at the projections as we head into week 11.